This morning we are going to talk a little bit about weaknesses. We've, uh, we've sung a bit about it, um, and so I'm going to unpack a little bit of what we uh, just heard, and then Ruth is going to bring a bit of a testimony about um, weaknesses that we've <laughs> seen in, in, in our lives. And cool. Um, so what we want to draw out this morning is how, as a Christian, your weakness actually puts you in a really strong position uh, to lean on Jesus, to grow in relationship with him, and uh, to make him look good instead of yourself. So Abrena read out beautifully the passage uh, from 2 Corinthians, where Paul is talking about how Jesus spoke to him, saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, it's a fairly familiar one. People heard that one before? Yeah? Um, so it's a passage we can often remind ourselves or, or remind others to encourage them uh, when, when you know, you're going through hard seasons. So looking at it, my power is made perfect in weakness. It's kind of juxtaposed. It's, uh, it's kind of counterintuitive. How does it actually work? What does Paul mean when he's saying it? So it, it comes, uh, it comes at in, in the middle of this section uh, where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. Um, and he's, he's sort of boasting, or he's, he's kind of trying not to boast, actually, about how he, as an apostle, stacks up against these other apostles that have come in. Uh, so Paul is this, uh, the, the founder of the Corinthian church, and uh, he, um, he, he started it all, but he's, he's been giving this teaching, but the, there are these other guys who have come in, um, these, Paul calls them the, the super apostles. So on the one side, you've got Paul. He's not particularly impressive to look at. He's kind of poor. Um, he, is, he has to uh, work to, to pay his own way. He's not a particularly strong public speaker by his own admission. He says that. And on the other side, you've got the super apostles who've come into the Corinthian church. And they wear good clothes. They're all singing, all dancing. They're the really impressive leaders, apparently. They've got this commanding presence. They're excellent public speakers with top quality credentials. And what they've done is they've, they've gone around sort of rubbishing Paul's, um, uh, Paul's ministry and his authority. And so Paul, in, in this part, he's actually sort of saying, okay, this is, this is what qualifies me um, to actually be an apostle. Uh, the Corinthian church has started to look down on Paul a little bit. They're a bit ashamed to have an, an apostle who is, uh, you know, just this normal guy who has to make tents. Uh, that's his job, he's a tent maker, to pay his own way. That is maybe a bit embarrassing for them. Uh, but he set up the church in the first place. Uh, so I was thinking about, like, imagine like Paul in modern day, okay, but uh, imagine him on Facebook. So... Um, He's, he's on Facebook and he's looking at the news feeds and the photo albums of these so-called super apostles. And he's thinking, gosh, these guys are really slick. Oh, wow, they've, they've been to there. They've, they've preached there. Oh, look, they've taken a, a selfie with, like, proconsul Gallio. Awesome. That's very impressive. I wonder if he'd spend any time sort of scrolling through to see what they've been up to. Actually, I, I, I kind of doubt it. Um, it's a side note, but comparison with others is deadly. How many people know that? <laughs> it will kill your true identity in Jesus. Uh, it'll make you thoroughly miserable. 
So it's important to notice here that Paul is, uh, he's actually delighting in his weaknesses. That's what he says. He's delighting in his weaknesses. He's not just like morbidly focusing on them. Does that make sense? So in actual fact, everything that these super apostles have going for them, Paul has, and then some more. You know, so he's got this sort of encyclopedic knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. He is, he's actually seen the risen Jesus. These are his credentials. He's been, like we heard, he's been caught up into the third heaven and seen unspeakable things that no one could ever speak about. He's got all of this stuff going for him, uh, but he doesn't focus on this stuff. He doesn't use that as the, the context for his boasting. He focuses, he ends up boasting about his weaknesses. So the way that he's been shipwrecked and the way he's been beaten and stoned and the the way he suffers intense daily anxiety over the churches. So he's boasting in these things because Jesus has shown him, like he said, that when Paul is weak, Jesus is strong. Me and Ruth... um, We realized this a a little while ago. We were chatting about sort of the rhythm of life and um, we realized that we can often pray, oh, Jesus, you know, I'm weak, but you're strong. And then, you know, when you pray something and you examine your own heart and think, actually, no, kind of what I'm praying is, Jesus, I am weak. Please make me not weak anymore. (laughs) And we realized, actually, when we're praying that heart prayer, that's sort of missing the point a little bit. This verse doesn't mean that we are weak and then God makes us strong so that we're not weak anymore. It's we are still weak, but his power is made perfect in our weakness. Paul can say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Not because his weakness has been taken away, but because it's in weakness that Christ's power has free reign to work. When we think that we're in a position of strength, when we think that we have it all together, when we think, I've got this, I know what I'm doing, you know, I know how this works, I can do it, what we're actually doing is telling God, I don't actually need you. Uh, it's us being self-sufficient, uh, that we can do it on our own, and that effectively sort of shuts God out. Yeah, have you ever been there? Um, it, it becomes all about what I can do, and what I'm capable of, and it, it's not what he can do and what he's capable of. Our created purpose, the reason that we're here, our created purpose as human beings has always been to display the richness and the goodness and the power of our Lord. When we lean on him for his power, we have to draw closer to him, don't we? Because we have to trust that he's for us. We have to believe that he has our best good at his heart, closest to him. Not, not our immediate comfort, I didn't say that, our best eternal good. When we allow God to work and we don't try and take over, we get to display how good and powerful he is through our lives. So when uh, Paul's talking about his weaknesses, he's not just talking about like character deficiencies or things that he's not particularly good at. He's... Uh, he's talking about the trials that he's had to endure, so those shipwrecks, those stonings, right? Uh, so for Paul, he can reel off a lot, um, and we, we heard some of those. And it's these trials and weaknesses that he ends up uh, boasting in, uh, and it's these trials and weaknesses that he says 
qualifies him as an apostle. So why, does, why do you think he, he majors on these things? Why do you think he, um, <laughs> he chooses to focus in, to hone in on these things and not like the, the things that, I don't know, I might do, hey, I, I know the Bible really well, or, you know, I, I can do this or that. Mm, yeah, it's a, yeah it, and it's a question that we need to consider when we read. So I think it's because on these occasions, these are the ones that he can point to and say, you know, God came through. God showed his power. God saved me from certain death because of his great love. So like, like Paul, we can do that. We can store, I, I know that, uh, people who keep a, a little book of answered prayers and they go back to it time and time again and they go, yes, God, you did that. We can, if we do that, if we remember how God has come through, we can legitimately boast in our weaknesses and glory in his strength and then that is what gives birth to worship. That's the essence of worship, isn't it? Recognizing him. So I wonder what periods of your life you can look back on and... Uh, and give glory to God for the way that he displayed his power in your circumstances. Whenever we encounter a weakness in ourselves or a trial or a difficulty, there are different ways that we can go about dealing with it, aren't there? There are a couple of approaches uh, and see if these, any of these sort of relate to you. Um, I, I know these are, these are places that I've been. There's like the the stiff upper lip approach, isn't there? That I'm just gonna get my head down, I'm gonna get through this. Um, And that's especially prevalent if you've got others looking to you for strength. Does that make sense? So, you know, you can can get by for a little while like this, uh, especially if you've gotta be strong enough for everyone else. Uh, You'll put your trust in yourself and you'll look to your own resources People can go on for years like this. It can be really hard to break out of. But eventually, you run out of earthly resources, and then you've got nowhere to go. Or there's the stick-your-head-in-the-sand approach, like retreat. Everything's getting too much, and you just sort of put your hope in this kind of vague idea that things will work themselves out, because they usually do, hopefully, please. Um, And (laughs) I did a little... um, thing called Strength Finders a, a while ago, and uh, it, it sort of gives you a description of what your personality is like. Mine said, Peter, you live in a state of hope-filled optimism. So I thought, oh, I like that. Um, but I think the thing is, hope-filled optimism, okay, Peter, where are you putting your hope, though? Where's the source of that optimism? And it depends where you're putting your hope, which brings me on to like the third way, So there's the approach where you go to your source of strength. You actually look outside of yourself. You, um, there's a song that says, uh, I I like it, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It seems really obvious and kind of trite and I know many of us will have heard this a billion times before, but (laughs) we need to look to him for our strength. Why is it? that so often I wake up to myself and think, gosh, I've been trying to forge through. Have I even prayed about this? Has anyone been there before? Is that just, is that just me? No? Good. Okay. I'm not on my own. But why? I want my first reflex and I want our first reflex to be, 
oh yes, I have a Father in heaven. Like we were singing, I have a Father in heaven with limitless resources. I have a sovereign God. Why don't I bring this situation to him? <laughs> um, so uh, on Wednesday, uh, my daughter Bethany, uh, two and a half years old, was trying to get a blanket out of a box. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, she was pulling it, but it got stuck on like the hinge. So she was pulling it, and it wasn't going anywhere. And the more she was pulling it, the more upset she was getting, the more frustrated she was getting, and she was making that noise that only a frustrated two-year-old can make. Uh, it... <laughs> wow. Thank you. Right on cue. <laughs> but she, the more frustrated she was getting, the louder it was getting. And I actually had to break in to offer help. I actually had to raise my voice to her. I had to say, Bethany... Let daddy help you. It's okay, love. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but so, and then at that point I was able to sort of unhook it and then, and then it was fine. I wonder how often our father in heaven has to raise his voice to us. <laughs> I, I, I wonder how often it, we miss the still small whisper and God has to shout at us. Let's let our first reflex be to come to him. And he, 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 will, he has more resources than you to fix the problem anyway, and he will probably fix it not quite in the way that you expected. You know, he has a, a certain wisdom about these things, doesn't he? And one other thought before I hand over to Ruth for a bit of testimony. Like, ultimately, it occurred to, to me that the, when Jesus is saying to Paul that his power is made perfect in weakness, what is the ultimate example of that? It, it all works together for his glory. You know, our helping us is part of the picture, but ultimately the reason we're here is all for his glory. Okay? So the, 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 the best main example of power being made perfect in weakness is at the cross. And thinking about it, Jesus, our king, the one uh, for whom and through whom all things were made, the one who holds all things together by the power of his word, creator of the universe, king over it all, came to live with us. His creations came and took on flesh as a baby, if you know the story at Christmas. He, over all things, confined himself and took on weakness. And then when he grew up, he made himself, volunta he voluntarily surrendered himself to the worst abuse ever committed in the history of the world and perpetrated by us, his creations. Jesus made himself weak to carry out the strongest, most powerful act in the history of the world at the cross. As, uh, as one song says, he emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's sinless race, uh, sinful race. Um, so this act of shame and weakness is actually Jesus' crowning glory and ascendancy. This is how God is glorified, through an ultimate act of self-giving love. And we can, we can follow in his footsteps. That's how we're to live our lives. This example of uh, Jesus is what we as Christians model our lives on. He is our great template and example. This kind of self-sacrificing weakness displays the power of God uh, that he has put in us. We put ourselves lower. We serve. We regard ourselves less. Uh, 
Why? Because we value Jesus. Because we want to model ourselves on him. We, it's, it's not to earn anything. It's because we love Jesus. It's because we've seen his glory and we're in love with him. So when we're filled with the spirit and identify with him, lean on him, trust in him, build relationship with him, draw close to him, God's power is displayed. The more dependent you are on God, I'll say this again, the more dependent you are on God, the more God is glorified in you. Ruth's going to share a bit of how we've seen this in our lives. Good morning. Um, So I just wanted to um, bring something of a testimony about um, our life over the last 12 months or so. Um, I think it's fair to say that me and Peter have spent much of the last year feeling fairly overwhelmed. Um, So many things have changed in the space of 12 months. Uh, Last July, we welcomed Joseph into our family, um, and my days changed from looking after one tiny human to looking after two. Um, And with that, my capacity completely changed too. The things that I used to be able to do, I could no longer do. Uh, One of which was um, doing the administration for Peter's plumbing business. And that had a knock-on effect of meaning that we were feeling quite overwhelmed with his business. So Peter changed his job. Um, He moved from being a self-employed plumber, which is all we'd ever known, um, to being a trainee um, employed in the charity sector, which is a huge change. He now works in an office. And if you know Peter, you'd never have expected him to work in an office. But he is, um, and it's really good. And then our roles here completely changed too. We went from being life group leaders, Peter leading the worship team, and I was singing in the worship group, um, to becoming Open Doors youth leaders. And for someone who doesn't like change or thrive on it, um, that's been a lot of change. Um, And I felt more out of my depth, more uncertain, and more out of control than I ever have before. Um, It's all been good change, and it's all been change that we prayed over, and God opened the doors, and we walked through it, and it's brought us so much joy, like I said. But all these changes have made us feel weaker than we've ever felt before. Um, It's like the changes have exposed us somewhat. Um, We're not as capable or as strong as we thought we were. Um, we're not as faithful in our walk with Jesus as we thought we were Um, and we often feel like we're drowning Um, and there are so many voices that would tell us that you don't really know Jesus what are you doing Um, and we've prayed God we can't do this you need to help us more than we've ever prayed Um, and I'll admit that I was really nervous about taking on the mantle of youth leader with a six-month-old and a two-year-old. I was like, what are we doing? This is a massive privilege to lead our youth, and it is a massive responsibility too. And we didn't want to take it on, only to burn out and have to put it down again six months later. We wanted to really commit, and we wanted to take it on long-term. And I didn't know if I had the capacity to do it, or to do it well. Because, you see, I really love our youth. I've actually led this team once before. Um, and I love our youth. And I want to see them thrive. I want, to see, I want us to have fun. And I want us to build great friendships. And I want to see them know Jesus. Um, but I didn't know if, I, if we had what it was going to take to do it well. 
um, and to give them what we really, really want to give them. And actually, over the last few months, it's gradually dawned on me that I don't have what it takes. Um, but the passage we've read gives me incredible hope because it tells me that we don't have to be in a position of strength. I don't have to have it all together. And it's as we recognize just how weak we are that, um, yeah, that God comes through. And I can just see God smiling at me and going, finally, now I can show you what I really can do. Um, and it's in our weakness when we cry out to him and ask him for help that we see that he's not a father who fails us. He's a loving father who wants to help us because um, we're his children. And in doing so, his power and his glory is revealed, not only to us, but to those around us when we testify to it. So I'm going to do that because God has done some incredible things over the last five months. So God, I prayed. I can't possibly lead the youth. I am an introvert who struggles to make quick connections with people. Um, and, you know, I, I find conversation with people I don't know quite difficult. Um, and I'm really not all that culturally relevant. I like reading on my own in a room. I don't know about social media, really. And he said to me to do it anyway and see what he would do. God, I prayed, I can't lead the youth. I've got two young children who need looking after. So what has he done? He's provided incredible women in this church who love me and who love my children to the point where I can go, oh my goodness, I've got, I've got anyone to look after Bethany, can you? And before I finish the question, they say, it's no problem, I'll take her. Um, I don't know, Tony. I'll find it later, okay? Um, and I'd name them, but they probably wouldn't want me to. Um, so suffice to say that God has provided abundantly so that we can know that our children are loved and cared for while we take your children for half an hour on a Sunday morning. God, I prayed, we cannot take the youth to New Day. Starting planning this in January is a really bad idea. We don't have enough time, and you're going to have to make it really clear that you want us to go. And it was like God said, challenge accepted. Within two weeks, we hadn't even asked anybody and we had a full team willing to help us take the youth to New Day. Um, and that gave us the confidence to say we would go. Now, since then, most of that original team has had to drop out for one reason or another. Um, so we were like, well, God, you did it once. You're going to have to do it again. And he has. We have a full team to take the youth to New Day. And then... We prayed, God, we don't want to have the youth to have to pay the full amount to go to New Day. It's really quite expensive. But we know we're going through a cost of living crisis, so you're going to have to do a five loaves and two fishes kind of miracle. Before we'd done any fundraising in this church, we got two donations totaling £1,100 from people not even part of Open Door. And then, last week, we sold some cake. Just some cake, quite a lot of cake, but it was only cake. And we raised over one and a half thousand pounds by selling cake. Church, you have been incredibly generous and we are blown away by you.
but my goodness, does God get the glory for this? Because we put it in his hands and look what he did. So as I was thinking about this morning and what we wanted to talk about, I was struck by Paul saying, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. And reading that, I was really convicted, because it says that he will gladly boast, and he will delight in his weaknesses. And for the last 12 months or so, even up to this last week, I've been really fighting my weaknesses. I've been wishing that I wasn't so exhausted all the time, that um, Joseph would just sleep through the night, that I wasn't incapable or in over my head, wishing that I could do it all without batting an eyelid. But you see, if I wasn't quite so weak, and if I could do it all, then I'd be standing up here boasting about my abilities, what I've done. But instead, I get to stand up here and tell you all about what God has done, which is so much more than I could ever do. So my challenge um, for me and for you over the next little while is to um, see our weaknesses and delight in them. Because you see, me and Peter haven't really done a thing. Many days we struggle and we're stressed and we get anxious. But Jesus, he always comes through when we put our faith and our trust in him. So can I challenge you to see your weaknesses, know Jesus in them, and come and testify to what he's done.